Hello and welcome to the Home Business Podcast. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. Hey, Rohan. Hey, Phil. And today we are joined by Brian. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. As usual, this episode of the Home Business Podcast is sponsored by Home Business Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Business instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the SP Home project. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Okay, Brian, uh, where in the world are you from? I'm here in Arizona, United States, uh, middle of the desert here. Very nice. So I'm guessing uh, you have what, summertime over there at the moment, so probably feeling the heat? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. It's We've had, I think, a record number of 110 degree days Fahrenheit. I should looked up what that was in Celsius for you guys, but it's <laughs> pretty dang hot, let's put it there. So yeah, forty three. Yeah. That's uh, that is very hot. <laughs> yes. Uh, luckily, we've, we're kind of in the fringes of that hurricane coming up into California, so it's been overcla- overcast the last few days. Yeah, and uh, it's really helped out a lot. So hopefully, right then to the streak. Oh man, that's rough. That that's is rough. Uh, brutal. So, who is Brian, and, and how did you start in home automation? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian, uh, a patent attorney by day. Um, Bought this house in 2017, and at the time, I had never even like considered home automation. It wasn't a thing that I really even knew existed, um, and I was like 30 by then, so pretty late in my life. And um, <clears throat> the way I got into home automation, actually, one of the first things I did when I bought this house, I brought over my reverse osmosis water filter from the apartment I was in. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> um, one of the second things that happened was that it uh, burst from the wall and flooded my house while I was out of town. Ooh. Oh, yes. lovely. That would be nice to come home to. Yeah, nightmare scenario for <laughs> sure. Um, so then I was at Lowe's um, kind of looking at some of the stuff they had, and I was I saw the, one of their uh, water leak sensors and kind of got me thinking. I was like, oh, wow, a water leak sensor. It's a good idea. I should get this if this ever, if, you know, if I flood again. It can notify me. So I bought this. It was like one of their little Zigbee. I don't know what their brand used to be. They used to have their own line of uh, home automation stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah. Just for they, they killed it, right? They, yeah, uh, they killed it a while ago. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was one of those. I got it home and I pulled it out and I was like trying to figure out how to get it to work. And I didn't realize that at the time that you needed a hub. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I was going to have to like... <laughs> I don't yeah. know, Bluetooth it to my phone or something. So I was like, all right, what? And so I just ended up returning it at that time. Um, but it kind of got my brain working. I, you know, got the wheels rolling. Um, so eventually I was on, you know, I keep an eye on slick deals, stuff like that online. Um, so they had their um, smart things like kit for sale one day. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think it came with a water leak sensor and a bunch of other stuff. Nice. Um, so I got my start through uh, smart things. Um, pretty quickly found it lacking. Um, I, the UI for automations was pretty weak. All I really did with it was kind of group some lights together. Right. Um, <laughs> which actually is some of my favorite automations because whoever designed this house, um, it's got a lot of like the front hallway. It's got four lights all the way across the front of the house and each one has its own switch. So. It's like a nightmare. If I want all of them on, I've got to walk down the hall and hit both or kind of the same thing with the back porch. If I want the entire backyard lit, I've got to go into my bedroom, hit that light switch and then go to the other. Oh, wow. So doing like the one, 
junction box that you can just go click, click, click. You got to walk around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. So it's the convenience of being able to like have light switches that control whatever you want and not have to have everything hardwired together. is just a, a dream come true. So yeah, that was kind of what I had with smart things. Um, and back then I also had the MyQ, which <laughs> wasn't super yeah. happy with it. Nope. Um, eventually I figured out WebCore, which actually you could do really good automations, but it was still on the cloud and everything was super slow. Um, so that's when, you know, I started seeing rumblings of home assistant, um, took me a little bit to figure out that I, that's what I really needed, but eventually took the jump, uh, started out with the Pi, the, the three, um, got everything running with the little, you know, USB, uh, mm-hmm. Z-Wave and Zigbee stick. Yep. Um, really the problem there was just every time anything changed, you guys remember you had to reboot the thing. Yeah. yeah. And the, that Pi, the reboot time was just atrocious. So, uh, it didn't yes. take me long. I set up my old, um, desktop computer as a server. Um, I'm renting. So that's basically still what I'm using. Um, it's been upgraded a few times, but I'm still on basically an old desktop that I use as a server. Uh, I'm one of the 3.5% running uh, just core. I run it in a Python virtual environment. Okay. Oh, so you're the guy that they have to like keep saying that we're upgrading <laughs> Python versions. That's you. It's one of four people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just checked. It's like 3.35% or something that I use yeah. core. Yeah. Um, but I do like it. I love having it on my server because I use the server for a lot. And um, with Home Assistant on there, I use the um, system monitor component or integration to keep track of the CPU usage, uh, RAM, et cetera. And then I also, it, it can monitor the available hard disk space on different folders. Right. So I actually use it to monitor my backups, uh, make sure the backups are current. Okay. Um, specifically I've got these external hard drives that I use that are, they're all encrypted. So yep. when I take them right. off site, um, you know, they're encrypted just for whatever safety reasons. Yep. Um, so it, but what happens is I reboot my server and I don't like get back on to do the encryption and enter the password on it. And so I don't think about it. I reboot my server and then I don't have backups going for like a week or two mm, because the, yeah. the, the drive's encrypted and it can't, can't mount yeah. it. So I just use system monitor to monitor that uh, mount point, uh, make sure that the, um, Make sure the external hard drive is mounted okay every day. And then I don't do this, but what I want to automate too is just make sure that the space, the available space on it kind of, you know, goes up and down as expected. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I was going to ask, like, different. how are you monitoring those backups? Are you looking for something specific, like f- certain file names that should exist per day? Or is it just, yeah, as you said, just no, size? No, it's, it's strictly the available space. So, if it's not, if the backup hard drive is not mounted, then the folder doesn't exist and basically the sensor shows up as unavailable mm-hmm. um, is how I make sure that the, the um, hard drive gets mounted. Right. And are you using home assistant to then monitor that the backups are occurring as well? Or have you got, I'm not doing that, but it, it is what I want to do because I do, <laughs> it's not automated, but I manually basically check every day. If I think yep. of it, I just look at the hard drive space, make sure it goes down, you know, the USB yep. drive, make sure the space goes down and then, um, yeah, but the automation is nice because I don't check it every day. And every once in a while, I'll get a notification. Hey, you're back at your USB drive is not mounting. Um, 
So I'm really happy with that stuff. Yeah, that's and a great one. So that's why I like it on my server. I, there is some downsides. I mean, I've got everything on a UPS, but you know, that server takes up a lot of juice, especially with all the hard drives it's powering. So I, I do actually have the the yellow. I want to maybe I'm nice. You guys have been talking about it a lot lately, and you almost have me convinced I need to move it over to the the yellow. And yeah, I think especially just so the back with the backup, it'll you know it'll run up yeah. run for hours. I mean, for what it's worth, I'm still waiting on mine. So it was supposed to be actually I was supposed to get it this month. That's a good point. I should check on that. Yeah, I think I was like one of the first pre-orders. So nice. I got it. I think I've had it six months at least. And oh, wow. It's just sitting there for now. I, yeah, you guys are right, though. It's I need to get it going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it is. It's one of those things where it's like once you like well even with the core setup because again like I, I i was one of those people right that had it set up on core even on raspberry pi etc cetera, etc cetera. but then once i moved it to docker like my life has been so much easier <laughs> it's just been so much better um but even even on the i mean in the case of yellow it, it's technically it's a supervised install right so you've got the supervisor and all that stuff yeah um, i think it's the os right yeah 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 exactly so it'll be uh I don't know. I think it'll be easier to deal with. I mean, but I, I do. I mean, one interesting thing is when we when we started off, you said you you talked about like you were you were a uh, you're a patent lawyer, right? So, I mean, do you have a technical background along with that, or um, yeah, yeah. How, how so did you? Yeah. At least in the United States, I don't know if it's the same everywhere. You have to have uh, some kind of technical degree okay. uh, to to do to even be you know considered for the patent bar. Um, so I, my computer engineering is my degree. I actually worked for five years as an engineer. Nice. Okay. Uh, uh, doing uh, chip design um, before I went back to law school. So yeah, 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 that's my background, which brings me then into like what I like to do around the home, which is make as much custom stuff as I can with my ESP eighty two sixty sixes. Yeah. Um, pretty quick after getting HA uh, home assistant up and running, I was like looking at all these videos, mostly Dr. Z's. I'm sure you guys are well aware. Yeah. Yep. But everything he does with his Sonoffs, I was like pretty quickly in love. I mean, yeah, it's great. Pretty, you know, I've got almost every one of my light switches now has one of those Sonoff uh, minis stuffed in there. Um, Interesting. I think like Dr. Z's must have been like the biggest salesperson for, <laughs> for Sonoff. For Sonoff so, he was know. just like, everybody was like, bam, like, do this. I'm like, God, He's I'm done like, more for Sonoff than Sonoff has done for themselves. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I, I believe uh, it. So if you don't mind me asking, why um, why do that over a smart switch or a uh, smart bulb? Was it a cost thing? Was it a convenience thing? Was it like, what was that? Uh, most of it at the time was... Um, I really like the Wi-Fi aspect and I wanted to do like MQTT. Sure. Um, and then price too. Like I wanted to outfit my whole house. And so I could yeah. get, you know, whatever these costs, five bucks a piece or something. And yeah. the Z-Wave switches I'm using, I mean, I think they're 20 or 30 bucks, Yeah. whatever okay. they are. So yeah, primarily price and keeping it open with Tasmoda. Yeah. Um, was really good. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, just price and Tasmoda. And open to um, so like it's okay. closed, like you don't have to worry about uh, a firmware update coming down and breaking it, sort of thing. You own it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, that's pretty sweet. And then now I've kind of moved more over to just embedding the D1 minis into the light switches, um, and I like to do these little like the um, they're like little capacitive buttons you can get. I think they're for Arduino's. You can get like a 
10 pack of them for a couple bucks. Mm -hmm. um, so I just like hot glue those into the back of a, a blank wall switch and just make little touch buttons everywhere. Um, and the thing I like about that too is uh, you can do other sensors. So like in my pantry, I drilled a little hole in the blank so that I could put in a, a motion sensor. And I also oh, yeah. wired up a read, read, read switch. So with the pantry, if you open the door, the light comes on. If you, the light's already, if the door's already open, you can just walk in and the motion sensor gets you um, right. or you can t touch it on and off. Um, so like the flexibility of that, which I mean, definitely you can't do with a Z-Wave switch. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. And, and have you done that through and through or? No, I mean, really the, um, the pantry is really the only place I've got the uh, motion and the read switch. Um, a couple yeah. of the, I think the front door and the back door or a couple of my doors, I have read switches that I've wired up like that um, where I just kind of drill into the door frame and uh, put in a read switch. Yep. Um, but in, then a lot of them, I've still got the old um, Zigbee sensors that I had from smart things that are still kicking. Right. Um, okay. So since discovering like ESP home and moving like everything over or even Tasmoda, how much like have you started going down on like Zigbee and Z-Wave? Like have you just sort of pivoted that way? Yeah, I'm pretty committed to ta originally Tasmoda and now ESP home. Mm -hmm. Um if I didn't have this legacy stuff from smart things, I think I'd really, I, I'd be strictly ESP home. If I could, I'd have only ESP devices. Um, the Zigbee stuff, the Z and Z-Wave both, I just find every once in a while stuff, get, you know, it'll get knocked off the network. Um, I'm always changing batteries and you never know when you put the new battery in, is it going to reconnect right away or. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've just, and I think the protocol too, I, it's a little bit of a black box with Wi-Fi. You always know, like, is something connected? What's its IP address? Can I ping it? Um, and then with ESP Home, you can look at the logs, uh, get all the information you could ever want. If you need to debug something, you can add some debug statements. Um, yeah. There's just nothing like that with Z-Wave and Zigbee, or you just have to kind of pray it works. Yeah, yeah I can get that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. like, oh, go ahead. So then with the ESP stuff, yeah, I've just gone through my house. Everything I can, I'm putting an ESP in. Um, one of the first was the garage door. I got rid of that, uh, the MyQ. Yeah, um, yeah, get through, get rid of that, right? No cloud dependency there. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. So for now. It's overkill for what it is, right? Like, it's just a retweet to stay on and off, right? You don't have to connect that to the cloud. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. when I had the MyQ, like it was so unreliable that I still had to put on one of my smart things, um, like <laughs> yeah. multi sensors, so I could like detect if it was like open or shut. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and I mean, they've, they've gotten a little bit better. I feel like it's been pretty stable because I still have mine. Uh, but it's at one point they were screwing around with just people being like, hey, you know what? No, we're going to start blocking different types of user agents and, and so on and so yeah. forth. And it's just, it's just frustrating, right? It's just kind of crappy all around. So. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, uh, it's been probably four years since I've used it, so I, I'm sure it has improved yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, um, I mean, no, but it just hasn't broken in, in quite a bit. <laughs> uh, and, and, and and I apologize to anyone from Chamberlain listening to this, and it's just, it's been very frustrating for the entire home automation community as a whole, I think, so. Yeah, and then after the garage door, I think the one of the second big things I did was the thermostat. Um, I got one of these like four relay Sonoffs, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I could basically use that to switch all the, you know, the control signals for the HVAC. Mm. Um, I've got a heat pump, so it's got the heat pump compressor, the fan, yeah, and then a, re- a reversing valve to switch between heat and um, cooling. How did you know, like, what wires to send power to the right time? Like, did you like have to Google around and and, and see things, or just? I think mostly it was just my own like logical thinking. I was just like, okay, uh, I've got the heat pump. I know there's, you know, I know what the signaling looks like because there's the. You know, like I said, the um, reversing valve to switch um, modes. You've got the fan and you got yeah. the compressor on. So, I, you know, you just, you want to heat, you turn on the compressor. You want to cool, you turn on the compressor and the reversing valve. Um, and then the fan in all cases. So uh, that was pretty simple. Um, but it, <laughs> back then, it was, I was living by myself at the time. Now I'm married. Um, so I didn't have to worry so much about keeping things clean and, Mm. <laughs> um, keeping you know the uptime wasn't such a concern. Yeah. So at the time, I I basically just took down my thermostat that the house came with, and yeah, I had the relays all just basically you know screwed onto the wires, and that was hanging out of the hole where the thermostat used to be, just hanging by the thermostat wire. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it looked like your house was still under construction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the temperature sensor I was using um, another ESP device with just a whatever the temperature sensor was um, hanging again off the wall in my bedroom. Nice. Um, basically the outlets where you would put a TV up on the wall, it was just hanging there uh, by the wires. Um, and it was all controlled through home assistant at the time. I used the generic thermostat component and yeah. that worked, re- that worked really well. Not a great idea because you really, I've learned quick. You don't want your, air conditioner depending on home assistant being up and running mm. um yeah. you know especially when it's on your server that you might want to take down like if i'm upgrading my server let's say or uh sometimes i want to switch out some of the store the hard drives or something there's a lot yeah. of reasons my server might be down and you can't have your air conditioner not working for you know an hour or two or even longer um so that was again living by myself i made it work um, I think there was a couple times when I had to go in and actually press the buttons on the uh, on the relays to turn the air conditioner on for a little bit. Um, but now the way I have it is um, they're both. I still have two separate um, devices that one that runs the the thermostat, and one that's the temperature sensor. But they're both ESP home devices and they connect outside of home assistant. So now I only really need to keep uh, Wi-Fi up. Um, which is, I think it's a lot easier to have near hundred percent uptime yeah. on your Wi-Fi network compared to like yeah. a server. Mm. Um, so I don't, I've never had any issues, um, there. I'm really happy with that. Interesting. So l- let me, l- I'd love to pick <clears throat> your brain for a second. Cause, uh, my Ecobee is having, uh, just Wi-Fi issues, right? It, it just, it's, uh, kind of crapping out once in a while and it just doesn't uh it doesn't pick up on wireless it's the only device i have that arbitrarily drops on wi-fi right and going back and forth with support i gotta say their whatsapp support phenomenal just the responses i got was kind of annoying but uh, again i i get it let's we, we all like i work in tech whatever like we all we've all dealt with it right so it's uh it's not poor by any means it's just you know standard kind of stuff right um, so I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, do I get another one or do I DIY it? Right. And, um, I, I, and, and honestly, while, when it works, it's phen- phenomenal and, and 
what this is what six years seven years in it's having issues so i'm not overly upset about it but uh so i was looking at getting like an m5 stack um like the core two it's basically esp32 with uh with a screen built in a couple of capacitive buttons etc cetera, etc cetera, right so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on doing something like that over getting a ready-made thing because again i'd need to develop logic and so on and so forth it's and it's like 50 bucks right as opposed to whatever an equity cost these days so i assume 150 200 300 whatever um yeah i mean the, i guess the thing you got to think about is what it's going to look out like on the wall really i mean how are you going to mount yeah. a that thing to look like a thermostat yeah. um actually what i ended up doing um <laughs> actually ran a second thermostat wire into my laundry room that's kind of across from where the thermostat was originally so now i've got okay. the, all the relays are in the laundry room where they're kind of hidden um, and then I made one of those like HA switch plates. Um, I know someone's mentioned them on here before, but it basically, mm. it's just like a mm. Nexion screen, um, uh, where you kind of create these like templates of touch buttons on it. Um, and then you kind of control what it displays, um, through yeah. your home assistant automations and stuff. So I put that where the thermostat used to be. So it's kind of a nice little touch interface. Uh, it's embedded in the wall on like a nice wall plate with a motion yeah. sensor to turn the screen on and stuff. Um, so if you can make the that M5 or whatever um, look good on the wall or you got somewhere else you can put it, then I think that's yeah. the main barrier. But otherwise, I think the logic, there is a certain, uh, it is kind of difficult to figure out maybe what the control signals are and stuff. So if you know what that right. is, then I'd, I'd definitely go for it. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's that's great. Far, I, have, I have no idea. <clears throat> I literally couldn't even begin to fathom. Yeah, and the the problem too is there is a lot of options. I mean, some people have furnaces, some people just have heat pumps like I do. Uh, some yeah. people have backup heat. There's, I mean, there's, um, there's a lot to figure out for sure. I think I had a pretty simple case. Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I have yeah. heat too to deal with, right? I guess in Arizona, that's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Typically, <laughs> a usual issue you deal with. <laughs> yeah, we do have heat. We do, uh, but it's just the heat pump, and it runs you know, a little bit at night. So it's not a big deal. If, yeah. it, if it goes out too, it's not a game, you know, it's not a life and death situation. Like it would be in like, say Alaska or something. Or, right. Right. Yeah. Um, Toronto gets pretty bad sometimes. <clears throat> but. Um, but I do love the thermostat. Um, some of the stuff I've got going with it, I use a lot of history stats. So I keep a 24 hour running average to see how long it runs every single day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of fun to watch, especially in the summer even though it's a little depressing when you get over like 50% where the, the AC is running more often than it's not. Yeah. Um, so it's fun to watch. And um, I also use the history stats for like the change in the filter. I've got a little NFC tag by the filter. So I uh, scan that when I change the filter and then I can kind of monitor not only how long it's been since um, I changed the filter, but I also use the history stats to tell me how long has the um, compressor been running or the fan since nice. the filter was changed. So yep. I can change it not just based on the calendar, but based on the runtime. So I think that's pretty slick. Yeah. Are you doing any slick. energy monitoring? Like to see how much that's costing you as well? No, I really don't. Um, because I know how much it's costing. It's <laughs> you get the bill, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's outrageous. And I know it's 90% AC. So yep. <laughs> that's about all I need. Have you thought about doing or adjusting your automations to then reduce that bill in a way like to be able to 
Is it, is it even like worth it in your situation? You know, I don't know what I, I used to have when I left, uh, when I went to the office for work, I had like the different, uh, billing rates throughout the day. So I had automations that would, um, you know, change how the AC ran. So basically I could come home in the evening and it'd be, the house would be like pre-cooled. Yep. So I could basically go like three hours without it running. Um, but now it's the same rate all day. I, I haven't really thought much about it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the other thing I do with thermostats, which I, there's a few different ways, you know, I do the ESPN thermostats. I also do the generic thermostats through home assistant. I, they're really good. I like making them. I've got the intake fan in my bedroom. So, um, if I open, I've got a window sensor on the window there. If I open the, the window in my bedroom, the fan automatically turns on mm-hmm. and then it uses the same temperature sensor from the air conditioner. Um, so basically it just keeps pumping in cool air until it gets to whatever the temperature I have it set to. And then it stops, which is nice because what it used to do is it would run all night and let's say it got down to, you know, 40 degrees Fahrenheit outside, then my room would just be like way too cold. Right. Um, so it's nice to have it stop. And then it kind of turns itself on and off to regulate that temperature um, throughout the night. So I, that's been really happy. I've uh, been really good. <clears throat> have you done anything crazy like putting an ESP in your TV cabinet or uh, office somewhere, uh, done some <laughs> fun just for no value, just because you can? Yeah. Um, I've made this like LED meter in the garage just to show like how far away the car was when I parked. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, so it's like, it's got a vertical stack of 36 RGB LEDs and it's got, you know, the bottom green, yellow, red, like a stoplight. So yeah. as you get closer to it, it moves up. Cool. Um, that's so that's slick, but <laughs> I was really happy with that. And then, uh, my wife took my parking spots and so now she uses it. Um, she says she likes it. Um, I'm in the other garage spot, which, what I kind of want to do is I want to create a second little um, ultrasonic sensor so I can yep. measure both cars and still use like the single um, right. meter to yeah. like depending on which car is parking, kind of detect that. Yeah. So yeah. the LEDs is changing range then turn on. Yep. And do the LEDs like um, stay on when the car is parked, or does it know? All right, now that there's a car there, I'll turn the LEDs <clears> on and show the lights and turn off after two minutes or something. So I've got it um, because it's an ESPN device. I've imported the uh, garage open shut sensor. So it knows when the garage is open. So basically it's completely idle when the garage is shut. And then when the garage opens, it starts right. pulling for the uh, ultrasonic sensor and updating nice. the distance and stuff. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. It's ESP home is so good for this kind of stuff. We want automation on device. Yeah. Um, originally with Tasmoda, um, it was basically just a set, you know, the ultrasonic sensor and then separately was the LED output and all the automation I was doing through Home Assistant. And then I used uh, AppDemon as well to yep. program it in Python. And it was just super delayed to send everything back through MQTT and then calculate it. So now having the LEDs calculated based on the distance all on the SPA, mm-hmm. ESP, it is like buttery smooth. I really like that. Yeah, hmm. that makes sense, right? Like, like it's similar to your air conditioner, right? Like not having to have home assistant or someone else calculate, you know, everything like that. It's all done in the one place. Yep, all on chip, so it's yep. very fast. Um, and then the other thing too with the SP Home is um, I was able to you basically disable automatically updating the sensor, the ultrasonic sensor, and then it only does it in response to like a poll. So I'm, I don't have the sensor running twenty four seven. 
Um, which right. I don't know if there's any reason you wouldn't want an ultrasonic sensor going 24 seven, but for some reason, it just makes me more comfortable not to have it going 24 seven. Yeah. Sure. Hey everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy video lock. It's a smart lock. That's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Um, another fun one. <laughs> uh, my wife's, uh, she's a, she's a doctor in training right now. She's a resident. Yeah. So a lot of times she's got to get up. She's got to be there by four, four thirty in the morning. And she is not a morning person to say the least. So, um, I set her up like an alarm system through home assistant that she really likes. Um, I've got one of my old, old phones that's just permanently stationed by her bedside as like an extra alarm. So I can, I can send notifications there and it's, mm -hmm. I know it's always going to make noise. Um, and then when she sets her alarm on her phone, um, it, First thing it does, it dings that extra phone. Just make sure that phone's on and it's going to make noise for her. It senses the uh, alarm volume on her phone. Because <laughs> one of the things she does is in the morning when she's like basically not awake, she turns down the volume on her alarm. Right. So then like yeah. she snoo if she snoozes, like, yeah, 10 minutes later, the alarm's going to go off. But it, the you're not going to hear it. The volume's down. So yeah. now it, but through the Home Assistant Companion app, uh, which is like just so nice. Um, not only can you get the alarm time, but the volume and you can set the alarm volume. So I've got all that automated. Cool. Um, is this on iPhone or Android? Android. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty sweet. Um, <clears throat> so then again, at the alarm, when the alarm goes off, it, um, ensures that the volume's still up. So if she does turn it down again, then when the next alarm goes off, uh, it's yeah. the volume's going to be back up. And then also when the alarm goes off, it turns on to like a Boolean that starts a timer that um, then after 13 minutes, it's going to say, nope, no more snoozing. <laughs> Both her and the extra phone are going to start sending notifications every 30 seconds, like with like some really obnoxious ringtones. That's funny. Uh, basically, make sure she gets up. And then the only way that it's clearable to make it stop uh, ringing is I put an NFC tag in the bedroom. So she's got to get up an NFC tag in there in the bathroom. Yep. Um, yeah, so, scan, physically scan it. <laughs> I mean, I can clear it for her through like the entities because I like know what to do. But yeah, she's got it. She's got to get up and go to the bathroom to clear it. So um, she's been really happy with that, and it works well for her. Really, because that sounds terrible in, in, in a very positive way. Right? <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Like she's really happy with it. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if it wasn't for that, there, uh, she would have definitely been late multiple times. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's. Yeah, she doesn't like it when she's in when it's in use, but when she's on yeah, time for work, she really she appreciates, appreciates it. it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'd be interested. What was your reasoning behind using the NFC tag to disarm the alarm? Could you just have like 
a button in there or even just a as once the motion is detected in the bathroom, cancel it? Yeah, it could have been a button. Um, the issue with motion, I think, would have been that if I got up to go to the bathroom or something, it would have cleared. Yeah. Um, I think the main reason I use NFC tags was just um, just a, an excuse to use them. I had a Fair pack enough. of NFC tags I'd ordered, uh, and I just wanted to get have a good use for them. Yep. Yeah, and they're cheap too, so. Yeah. Yeah, yep. And they're fun. I mean, I, people really should be using them. I, That's I gonna, like them and that was going to be my next question. What, what else you, like you got the alarm based on NFC? Anything yeah. else you're using NFC tags for? Uh, like I said, I've got one by the uh, air conditioning filter for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can just scan that and mark when I change the filter. And then nice. um, the only other thing is uh, I've got a couple nieces and I set up home assistant at their house, uh, my sister and brother-in-law. Nice. Um, so I made them little um, NFC, like one of those scanners with the SP Home. Yep. It yeah. came out a while back. So now they can, like, they've got some RGB lamps and they can use the tags to change color and yeah, nice. um, do nice. effects and stuff. Yeah. yeah but yeah, other yeah. than that, yeah, that's kind of it. Are you doing anything with the other home business instance? Like, are you, like, connecting yours with theirs <laughs> or having to remote manage in or anything like that? No, I don't do anything with it if I can help it. Um, <laughs> yep, don't want to be tech support. Just every, every time I'm back back home, then I, I help them with any stuff they need set up. Um, I wired up their garage, so I they've got three garage doors, and so I, right. uh, we ran some Ethernet through their attic, Ethernet cable for like so all the uh, open shut sensors and et cetera, all yeah. hooked up to one ESP32. Nice, um, that's perfect. But otherwise, no, I don't. I try not to monitor it or. I don't want to get too sucked in. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you don't want to be support. Yeah, well, yeah, I definitely still am. But <laughs> <laughs> so, are you are you primarily using like from an automation perspective? Do you just let the automations run themselves, do that kind of stuff, and then uh, what's your methodology, or or is it primarily like there's some stuff where you have you go in and you know press buttons or do stuff. Um, I mean, as much as I can, I like to have it automated, um, yeah. either based on time of day or motion and stuff. Right. Um, but other than that, I do have a lot of manual stuff. I've got my night mode. So I told you, I put that little touch screen next to my bedroom, yeah. um, with the, uh, thermostat controls. I've also got a button on there for, uh, inner night mode. So as I walk into my bedroom at night, I just push it. Nice. Um, turns off all the lights throughout the house, um, turns on the fan in the bedroom. Um, sometimes I have to adjust the thermostat. Right now, I don't do that. I'm pretty comfortable with one temperature all day and night. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I do have a lot of manual stuff. But then, you know, once I am in night mode, I've got a motion sensor on that little touchpad. So if I walk out of the bedroom, it, the you know home assistant knows. And so it turns on a few lights for me throughout the yeah. house so I can get around. Um, if I open one of the back doors, it turns on the, the back porch lights, uh, during night mode. So when you want to let the dogs out, basically they've got a little bit of light to figure out what yeah. they're doing. Um, but then the other thing that happens when I press the button for night mode on the thermostat controls, the little next on touchpad, it goes to another screen, um, where I basically set like a, what time do I expect to wake up variable? Yep. Right. Um, so I think by default, it's like 630 in the morning because I usually get up about 645 or 7. Cool. Um, so at that time, that's when it knows to turn on the hot water kettle so I can make my morning coffee. Um, once it 
checks motion after that time, then it knows night mode's done, brines up, um, no more night mode automations. Um, so that's all automatic based on time of day and motion um, outside my bedroom. Okay. That's pretty decent. <clears throat> Are you doing anything like in terms of voice control around the house? No. And I've always been very like anti any kind of voice control, really. I mean, even to the point of <laughs> uh, if I call on like some of those automated systems, I hate talking to them. I just like slam buttons until I get to a person. Yep. Um, yeah. And I'm then I'm also like not really interested in having like the Google or Amazon, like listening in my home 24 seven. Yeah. You know, transferring stuff up to the cloud. Um, but I will say recently my father-in-law, he's, he's got, um, you know, Lex, careful guys, don't say, um, he's got the Amazon devices and he uses voice control around the house and it's, you know, it's really warming. I'm warming up on it. Um, so I am like really excited about the year of the voice stuff. I'm keeping a close eye on that. Yeah. Um, so you guys had Mike Hansen on, I was really excited to hear what's going on with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll definitely, I'm definitely going to be doing one of their ESP on devices as soon as I can figure out what's going on with it and get it working. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's pretty sweet. Just even the using like a little M5, uh, what's it called, Atom or whatever. Can't wait for custom but, wake words. Just give me those. Custom yeah, wake words. I know, right? Just a home <laughs> assistant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. So I'm really excited about that. Um, some of the other stuff I do is I, I like all the media integrations. I've got my all my entire media center is in Home Assistant, my TV, my receiver, and then I use the NVIDIA Shield for streaming and Plex and stuff. Nice. Hmm. Um, so it's really nice to be able to, you know, turn off everything automatically when I stop watching something. Um, if I start casting music through Plex, then it'll automatically turn on the receiver to the right input and then go to like the right volume. Um the other thing I really that's really cool is I put uh, speakers on my back porch. So if I'm casting music through Plex, then open the back door. It's going to automatically start playing on those speakers. Oh, that's nice. cool. Yeah, that's super slick. Um, and then if I just press the switch for the back door uh, backyard lights, then it if it, it knows if it's uh, playing music out there. And instead of toggling the light, it's just going to turn off the music um, out back. That's cool because I'm guessing like, it's like uh, is it a Sonoff or an NSP device? So you you can control what the actual action happens, right? Like it's not going to just directly control the relay attached to the lights. It's going to then yep yep. It's a D one. It's a D one mini there. So it's a it's a button input. And then all um, automation is on the uh, the D one mini. So yep. It looks at yeah. um, you can and then again with the SPM you can pull in any state from any uh, anything from Home Assistant. So it knows. You know what input uh, receiver the receiver's on. It knows if the zone two's on. Yeah, uh, cool. for the outside speakers and stuff. Um, so it can do all the logic to figure out. Oh, should I uh, turn off the speakers or should I toggle the light? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's pretty nice. slick. I like it. That is nice. <clears throat> that's uh, yeah. That's actually really that's actually really handy. And then, do you have like a once it's certain time of night? Um, turn it down or something like that. Like, I don't know if you guys have like noise rules in your community, but no, I'm luckily not in an HOA, but um, yeah. the main thing is just, it, it will stay on and play forever if I forget. So I do have <laughs> it. Like if I turn off the receiver, what I don't really think about is zone two stays on playing music outside. Right. So I'll like turn off everything to like, you know, get ready for bed or it's dinner time or whatever. 
and oh well <laughs> music's still playing outside um so yeah. if, if i if i turn off the receiver inside or if i stop streaming like pause my music um then it'll uh stop it after a couple minutes uh turn off the receiver outside so i'm not just blasting music all night yep um and then entering night mode too i'll turn it off um yeah. so i've got a few checks in there for that yep can how do you handle like the situation where you might be outside it's dark and you want to turn the lights off and on but not control the music um i don't know i, I mean if if <laughs> I, I, that education. Um, yeah i mean if it's playing music uh at night it'll turn on when i go outside so i yeah i would have to i never really thought about that yeah, yeah totally. I mean, you could definitely do it based on time of day if the sun's down don't do yeah, it absolutely. but i don't know i mean typically yeah. if i've got music blasting in the kitchen and i'm going outside i probably want music to play outside i'm like grilling or yeah. i know some friends outside drinking a beer yeah. or something so absolutely uh, i'm not too too worried about that fair <clears throat> enough i'm guessing and as you've if you've opened the door to go outside music playing the lot's gonna be on anyway you're just trying to think if you would be a situation where you want to hey i want to that light on i guess you just go into home and turn the light off yeah and like i said the button's right next to the door so if it starts playing i'm like oh didn't want that i just slap oh, it on cool. the yeah probably, yeah. yeah makes sense and what about presence detection? Like, are you doing anything to say, hey, I'm home? I know you've got the cars in the house to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really just the companion app. Um, I don't use have any triggers based on it, so I don't need, like, a lot of really quick timing. Um, mostly I just check to see, like, in the morning there's some stuff uh, when I wake up that runs a little differently if my wife's home yep. uh, versus, versus if I'm home alone, um, that kind of thing. Um I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to do some of those uh, Bayesian sensors and detect based on like Wi-Fi network and something that's going to or something else that's going to trigger a little quicker when I get home. Because there is a few things I might like to do, but I just never got around to it. Um, Interesting. I've always found the companion app to be pretty fast. Like, Yeah. You know, for me, I think it's pretty quick. But for whatever reason, for my wife, it can take a few minutes. Okay. Um, Interesting. <clears throat> next for me it's just like bam home all right that's it like yeah i need to maybe set up some automations that notify me when it detects me home so i can kind of get a feel for how fast it is Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe it's better now than it used to be yeah the other thing i like a lot is in my office with work from home i've used the uh, it's called like has.agent on my computer to notify the status of my computer and the mic and the camera so i can um, really, the oh, big thing cool. is um, if the mic starts going, then it'll turn down the fan. Um, yeah. If it's higher than if it's higher than low, it'll turn it down to low. Yeah. Um, and I really like all the new the home assistant has really gone to town on their uh, YAML automations. Um, so you can do a lot of really cool stuff now. So I've got to use a variable to store like what is the current fan setting, and I use a trigger on, or a wait for trigger to wait for the camera or the microphone to go back off. And then it turns the fan back up to where it was at, you know, when it turned it down. So um, that and makes what, me really happy every, every time it goes off. Yeah. yeah. What, what OS is this for? Uh, it's Windows 10 I'm running here. Um, so as far as I know, there's no, like, official app or anything for Windows. Yep. Um, so it's just has.agent. Kind of runs in the background. And you can set up a million sensors, I'm sure. Right now I just have it given the status of the... Uh, microphone and uh, camera yeah. and then they just come in like states into home like entities i'm guessing binary sensors yeah yep. it's either on or off or if i think if the computer's off it'll be unavailable yep right um 
Yeah, that's really so. Then cool. I also I got some stuff that runs like when the computer turns on in the morning, then it turns like the lights and stuff on, uh, and the fan the way I want it. Yep. <clears throat> I've got a couple toggles on the UI and the card for my office where I can say, uh, "Do I want the fan on automatically in the morning or not?" Because depending on the time of year, rather than automate it based on like the month, I just have it manually turn that on and off. Yep. Sure. Um, same with the backlighting on the monitor. I love the backlighting. I, I just use like WLED, but nice. it generates so much heat that in the summer it's like a killer. I just can't yeah. turn it on. So, do, do you do you find it to the point where it's actually like a problem? Not not obviously not like a problem. You're not worried about like catching on fire or something, but like it's warm enough that it's like okay, this is bothering me now. Like. Yeah, it really does. I, the, yeah. Really, the issue is the air conditioning in my house. I, it just doesn't come into the office that great. I really need to just right. get in the attic and take a look. I think it's got to be some ducting issue or something. Sure. Um, but for the time being, I just ha- I can't have anything generating heat in my office. It's I, it's gotten to the point actually. I've got my PC in the in the living room on the other side of the wall, and I just yeah. like cut a hole oh, cut a wow. hole through the drywall and run all the cords through. Um, to oh, so wow. I don't have even my computer generating heat. So it's really just the monitors and the backlighting if I have the backlighting on. Wow. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's fun too because I've got water cooling and a bunch of RGB and stuff. So it's kind of a good little discussion piece. Anytime someone comes over, they're like, oh, holy crap, what's this? Yeah. Uh, so then I get a chance to kind of tell them about my water cooling setup. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's funny now like changing topics a little bit you mentioned you had uh pets do you do and I'm, I'm not sure if you have any kids or anything either but do you do anything uh, any kind of automations around around that uh just the two dogs uh no kids um no i don't i can't think of anything really with the dogs actually <laughs> what i do have around pets is we've got a bunch of feral cats that are like <laughs> It got to be like a big problem. So yeah, I've, I started trying to trap them all and get them fixed. Um, so I use home automation with that. So I, originally what I did, there's a trap where the cat goes in, starts eating, and then they step on this pad and the door slams behind them. Yep. Um, so I yeah. put a little door, door sensor on there so I could know like, oh, we got one. <laughs> um, it was just one of those uh, tilt sensors that I could detect yep. whether it was vertical or horizontal. Um, that worked for a while, but then when I hit kind of a critical mass, it was just every time the door went off, it was like the same cats, like, so, mm. because I had like already fixed more cats than not. Yeah. Um, so I had to set it up then with a uh, main lower. I kind of had the door propped open with a water bottle and I just put a motion sensor on there. Um, so I could, uh, if motion went off and I could go check, oh, is it a new one or not? And then I had the string kind of going through the window to my house and I could pull the, Pull the the trap without him uh, detecting me. I love cool. I love that sometimes it's the most basic, right? Like where you got a spring running to the house and just yank on a string. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah an empty plastic water bottle and a string tied around it. Yep, hey, exactly. Man. And There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. <laughs> and then now I've got um, cameras on there, so I can kind of I'll turn the cameras on for a few days a month, just to kind of monitor the population. Um, and what I use for the camera is a zone minder. And so it's really nice how that integrates in home assistant. Right. Um, so I can turn it, uh, turn, I've got a motion capture. So anytime there's, it detects motion on the camera, then it'll start recording. Um, but what ends up happening is I get 
I go back to check and it's like, you know, a, a thousand videos of me walking to the grill, my pets walking, <laughs> you know, my dogs walking back and forth after I let them out. So I've got to set up with the door sensors where when I open the door, uh, then it turns off recording for five minutes. And then once the oh, door nice. shut for five minutes, right. Uh, that, so that's really, uh, cut down on the amount of time it takes me to re- review all those videos to, to see if there's any new cats that need fixed. That's interesting. Uh, but nothing with the dogs. I mean, I, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've done a whole bunch of, uh, SP home stuff. Um, you mentioned in your email that you've got so much, like you've gone down the rabbit hole so far that you've actually opened up a store and starting selling some of these <laughs> devices. Can you tell me a bit yeah, more about so, that? Yeah. So a year or two ago, um, I'm sure it's a common story where I, I was using Tuya Convert. I, I'd always be buying these Tuya bulbs and plugs and stuff and um, converting them over to Tasmota that way. And eventually uh, they kept plugging the holes and then Tuya yeah. Convert would you know go around it. And I think they pretty much gave up eventually. And then they just took out the ESPs and totally they started using the other chips. And yeah, I was like, okay, okay, this is ridiculous. Um, surely I can just like order these online from China and just have the factory put them together. So uh, I looked on Alibaba and found someone that could do it for me. And nice. Uh, you know, you had to order them by the thousands. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess <laughs> here it goes. Yeah, I guess I'll order a thousand bulbs and a thousand plugs and. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more scarier experiences. Um, you know, sending a check for sort of wiring 16 grand or 18 grand or whatever it is the first time I put an order and kind of just keeping my fingers crossed open. I was going to get a thousand plugs and a thousand bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. Pray that um, something so shows that, up. Yeah. That was definitely a crazy experience. But yeah, now they're selling on Amazon and it's, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, originally, my, the whole idea was I just wanted to like something I could put test mode on and it was just going to be like a, yeah, not really, not really much fanfare, just like some, you know, Tasmoda, real basic thing. But then um, one of the things I was doing when I was kind of trying to just make sure that the firmware was going to work, that the, the factory was going to put on there was I wanted to make sure that from the Tasmoda firmware that someone could be able to flash over to ESP Home if they wanted to. So right. nice. part of the process was I was kind of testing that out. And then um, through that was how the first time I used ESP Home, I was like, um, because before Tasmoda is so simple, there's one bin file, you put it on and you can do whatever you want. Um, ESP Home, I was like, YAML, I, I don't know about this. Um, but setting it up for the first time just to test to make sure it would work, I was like so blown away. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, within two or three days of that, I had every, all my Tasmoda devices uh, switched over to ESP Home and That's uh, never looked back. Um, but ESP Home, I like because. Um, you can really create a custom device that really does exactly what you want it to. You can have all the automations online uh, on the device. Um, you can have all kinds of entities that show up automatically in ESP Home. Um, I think a lot easier than uh, Tasmoda. Um, I mean, Tasmoda does have rules and stuff, but with um, ESP Home, it's just so simple to program whatever you want, either the YAML automations or uh, I do a lot now in this in C plus plus through lambdas, um, so I, I I love it. And then the ESPM API is just so good uh, compared to MQTT. Um, it's blazing fast. Um, you don't need a separate server with for MQTT uh, for the for the API like you do with MQTT. So I think like people that buy an ESPM device, you can just 
uh, putting your Wi-Fi credentials and that's it. It's you a way. Assistant detects it. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas Tasmoda, I think you've got to figure out the IP address. Um, and then you've got to log in and put in the MQTT credentials. So, uh, yeah. I, I like ESPN for that reason as well. Yeah. So the devices yeah, you're selling, they they're fully flashed with SP Home, ready to go. Yeah. Yep. They've got ESPN on it and then they use the dashboard import. So if you've got the ESPN dashboard running, it automatically detects that and then you can recompile right. with the latest version and uh, pull in any of the home assist or the, the updates that we put out. Um, like sometimes we'll have like new entities or a little better, you know, fix some bugs or something with automations. Yep. And so um, what devices so are on the store? Yeah. Yeah, so right now I think it's just like we've got about four different sizes of bulbs mm -hmm. and smart plugs, and then we've got a wall switch as well. Um, just the kind of the basic stuff. Yeah. Mostly what I wanted for my house is kind of what I started out with. Just times a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, so some of the stuff I want to do next would be I'm trying to get a dimmer going. Mm hmm. Um, what I want to do is all the Tuya stuff. They've got like that Tuya MCU between the ESP and the, the dimming circuitry. So I'm trying to figure out if I can, I want to have that directly controlled by the ESP32 and not have to have that extra MCU. And, um, mm -hmm. so far I've not been super, I've not been able to get it to work super smoothly. So I, I just need a time to sit down and I, I've got a, uh, an oscilloscope here. I want to, you know, get it up on the test bench and s just figure out what's going wrong with the timing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I've got a day job and I <laughs> don't have a lot of free time to do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it sounds like the hardware engineer part of you isn't going away though with uh, breaking out the oscilloscope and stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I I, that's, this is like definitely my cup of tea for sure. I mean, that's awesome. Man. I, lo I, I love it. That's, that's really cool. And I like that you just like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll just, buy a thousand of these and sell it. Like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been, you know, definitely a blessing and a curse. I, I've got some horror stories about the first order. I mean, it did come properly and, uh, you know, I got a thousand plugs and a thousand bulbs. Um, but what I ended up having to do, which is like totally ludicrous is I ended up having to manually reflash all thousand of both of them. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to like sell them and get conscious. So yeah, with the <laughs> with the plugs, um, uh, people may a lot of people don't realize this, but the default uh, Wi-Fi power on ESP Home it's set up to like twenty, which the max is twenty one for the well, I think the Arduino drivers or whatever. Yeah. Whereas Tasmo Tasmoda defaults to seventeen and. There's actually a big warning on Tasmoda says, do not put this higher than 17. Like you're going to have problems. Um, but nevertheless, uh, ESP homes defaults to 20. Mm -hmm. And when I got all these, um, the, the plugs from China, the sample I had worked perfectly, but with the ones I got, it would not connect to the, uh, portal, the, the access point to, um, set the Wi-Fi credentials and it, without crashing. So 80% of them. Uh, it would crash anytime you try to enter your Wi-Fi credentials. So oh, the only thing man. I, the, it, and it was a nightmare too, because I had to debug that. I had no idea what the heck, why it was crashing. Mm -hmm. um, it took me probably three months before I even figured out that it was the Wi-Fi power that was going wrong with it. And so I had all, a thousand units that I paid for that I couldn't even sell because I couldn't figure out what the heck was wrong with them. <laughs> so I ended up, luckily they've got default credentials. So, if I set up a, a 
spare Wi-Fi router I had with the default credentials, they all connected to that. And then I could flash them through the the web interface oh, that way. Funny. And it, yeah. luckily it could do that without crashing. It just couldn't connect. I couldn't set the right. Wi-Fi credential, the credentials through the uh, access point. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I buy stuff from AliExpress sometimes and I know the return shipping price for AliExpress is more than what sometimes you pay for a device. So, I'm guessing you do want to have to return a thousand of them <laughs> with good return oh, postage, right? I, that, I don't think that would have even been enough. <laughs> I, would have, I, I think I would, have, I would have had to eat the cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, the boxes these come in, it's the bowl was it's like I think forty five centimeter cubed. Yeah. So big boxes, and I mean, some of the bigger shipments I get, UPS is pulling up with thirty boxes. Wow. Um, so, and you know, my wife is super happy, but I basically, I've been storing them in the guest bedroom. So I think, you know, at the most they'll stack like two floor to ceiling, like taking up like half that room. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to get a, uh, like a storage unit or something where I could keep these, but it's just, first of all, inconvenient. And then the price of it, I, not, I'm not like making a ton of money off these, so I, as long as I can keep them at home, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, that was like I was going to ask you too, if you don't mind checking, like how, like what's the interest in these pre-flash devices? Like, sort of seems to me it would be pretty, <clears throat> like niche. Like only certain amount of people be interested in an ESPM device. Or you yeah, it? it's it's slow. I mean, I sell like the the plugs and the kind of main bulb sizes. I sell and right. like a lot. Yep. I um, mean, they kind of sell through. Um, but like some of the lesser bulb sizes, like, you know, I might sell one every week or something and sure to, to the point common. of like, yeah, I, I keep stuff in stock because I like to, and I want to make sure that even me personally, I have access to them. So I just keep them in stock, but yeah, yeah the, some of those I'm, yeah, I'm paying more in Amazon storage fees and, you know, I'm making on them. Sure. Um, but the plugs sell really well, and like the main bulb sizes sell really well, so it's 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 going well overall. Yeah, that's great. And kudos to you for like just yeah jumping in right and doing it. Because I know, like, unfortunately, I'm in Australia, so I'm probably not going to be a customer because I we have ridiculous electrical laws down here, so I can't just plug anything in. But I'm sure there is a whole bunch of people that like me would just go, "Yep, I can't be bothered flashing. I don't want to pull apart hardware, soldering crap, right?" Just Give me something that's yeah, better I mean, on it. Yep. Especially now that two year converts no longer a thing. And yep. pretty much your only option now is soldering if you want to buy something in the store. So yeah. Um yeah. So at the time, yeah, I was just like, okay, someone's gotta do something. So I got on Alibaba and found them. And I mean now there's a couple other options. I think like at at home or at home or whatever. Like they weren't I don't think they were around at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh Cloud Free, they're another one that sells some of the Tesmoda stuff, so yeah, pre-flash. Yeah, I'm not alone in it. Uh, it's enough to support at least a few different manufacturers, yeah. but yeah. at the time, uh, you know, none of, I don't think those guys are around. So I was just like, okay, someone's got to do it. Yeah. Hey, it's not bad. I didn't tell you guys about my kettle. Um, <laughs> you guys have talked about it a little bit, but uh, so originally, I, I know some other people have talked about putting relays in there to kind of just trigger the buttons to turn it on yeah. and stuff, but so that's what I originally had was I just put in two relays to turn it on. And then the other thing that I originally did was I put um, a couple load cells as feet so I could detect the weight of the whole thing. Um, so that's how I'm kind of detecting whether there's water in it. And then I don't turn it on automatically in the morning if there's no water detected. 
Um, so that's important to me because there's no way this kettle has any kind of uh, safety mechanism with this cheap kettle I got. Um, so I'm sure it would burn up the first time I like failed to have water in the thing. Yeah. Um, but then since then, I've spruced it up a little bit. I actually totally replaced the power supply that it came with. The, it's like a, the board in there with a, a little 5-volt converter because um, that power supply was just the junk. Um, and then I now sense the state of it through the LEDs. So I wired the LEDs back to the D1 Mini so it knows if it's on or not and whether it's uh, holding temperature. Um, and then instead of relays now, I just use a couple transistors to turn the power on and off, uh, like press the button instead of the relays. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I want to do is I've got one of those little ESP32s with the OLED screen built in. I want to actually like just completely replace the entire uh, control mechanism, like the MCU that's on that board with the ESP32. So basically wire up the um, temperature sensor from the kettle up to the analog input. Yeah, uh, basically building use, a whole new kettle. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then <laughs> yeah. I want to use basically the ESP Home uh, thermostat component to like regulate the temperature of that. Um. Yeah, I, that's kind of my next to do. I've got the parts. I just kind of have to find time, and it's going to be a hassle too because I'm going to to keep the buttons working. I'm going to have to keep the same control board in there, but I'm going to have to basically like cut out the center of it to have somewhere to stick the OLED yeah. screen. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if I ever do it, but that's, that's definitely on my to-do list. That's crazy, man. That That's the, yeah, I feel like that's something you want to, like you'll test, you'll do all that stuff. And, and you know, it, it, there, there is quite a bit of time in doing that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> Phil makes fun of yeah, me all I the can time tell already, like, yeah, I can tell probably the way that's going to go is for the first like month or two, I'm going to have the ESP32 with the OLED screen kind of like wired out to the side <laughs> of it, testing stuff and making sure it works. And um, is it all fine. part of like is it part of the kettle base that you? So can you still pour a coffee without wires dragging around? Yeah, exactly. Everything is embedded in the base of the, okay. like, the kettle. It's it gets pretty, it got quite a bit of volume in there, so. Uh, it fits the relay okay. The relay barely fits. Um, and the D1 Mini, and I've got a little 5-volt converter, like I said, in there. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got plenty of room for it. Yeah, nice. Uh, the sensors, I just cut the, the load cells for the weight. I just cut holes in the bottom of it and kind of glued them over the holes as feet. Yep. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Brian, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, we're going to leave links to, uh, you've got a website, I'm guessing, reselling all your stuff. Yeah, I've got a website, YouTube channel, all that. Yep. Um, GitHub. Oh. So, yeah, that's we'll link it all GitHub's the, the one I update the most. Yeah, fantastic. We'll link it Perfect. all in the show notes um, on the website. So, yeah, Brian, thank you so much. Um, best of luck with your orders from Alibaba. Um, hope they keep coming through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got to get down to a science now, so it's all good. Good, good. Um, Yeah, I appreciate your guys' time. It's definitely definitely been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. No worries. Cheers. Bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.